Hey guys, it's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events from around the world in golf. I'm Tom Clark and today I'm joined by Elliot Heath. Hi Elliot. Hey Tom, good to be back. Indeed. Uh, and we'll be looking back on victories for Justin Rose and Bryson DeChambeau, as well as previewing the week ahead in Saudi Arabia and uh, in Phoenix for the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. More than that, we also have some audio from Justin Rose, who won last week and is, of course, world number one, and also former world number one, Brooks Kupka. Uh, and we'll also be wrapping up the PJ show in Orlando, where I was last week, uh, and we'll be answering some of your questions and also the quiz. So we've got loads and loads to do. Are you excited, Elliot? Yeah, very excited. Just to add to that, there was a little bit of a, uh, a rules thing in Dubai, wasn't there? bit of controversy. A little bit of a rules thing, and we'll be chatting a bit about that when we come to the, pre, uh, to the review of that. Um, actually, a lot of you have rules things and rules incidents. So Yeah, jam-packed. This exactly. Week. So we've got low to do, so without more ado, we're going to crack on with uh, Bryson DeChambeau winning in Dubai. Uh, it's his first international victory for the golfing scientist. Does that mean outside of America? It does, yeah. Uh, uh, he shot 24 under and won by seven, which is, you know, a fair amount. Uh, and we're both records for the tournament. He stays at world number five. It's his seventh pro win and his first European Tour title. Uh, Matt Wallace was second as well, so another good performance on the Englishman. Uh, okay, do we think DeChambeau is going to win any majors this year? Maybe, yeah, definitely. Maybe that is you could not sit on the fence any more than that. Well, we don't, we can't tell the future, can we? But definitely in the future, yeah. If you look at his amateur career, already in seven, sorry, in two years, three years as a pro, I think he's won seven times. There's just no way he's not going to be a massive name. He's already one of the biggest names in golf. He's going to win majors, hundred percent. hundred percent. Oh, that's okay. That, that's I'm not, not sure sitting about on the this fence. Year. Well, I, th- I think he's in he's in pole position. We've done an article uh, this week on the website about how he is one of the golfers who is in pole position to win the Masters. Um, winning the Dubai Desert Classic is also uh, usually a good uh, indicator for how your game is playing. If we look back to 2016, Danny Willett won the Dubai yeah. Desert Classic, won on to win the US Masters. 2017, Sergio Garcia won the Dubai Desert Classic, went on to win the US Masters. 2017, Hao Tong Lee won, didn't win the US Masters. 2018, that's it, sorry. Um, So it is usually quite a good indicator. Uh, DeChambeau's also had reasonable success at the US Masters as well in the past. He was doing particularly well as an amateur there until he came, he had a, a poor 18th. I think that was yeah, two or three years ago. after 35 holes, I think, in 2016 and then made an eighth on the 18th in the second round. Still yeah. finished in the top 20 though. Yeah, so he, he and I think he's, he will, that will be the event, no doubt, that he's, he's concentrating on for this year. Yeah. Um, he, he said before how much the Masters means to him and how he'd love to win it. I mean, obviously lots of golfers want to win the Masters, but um, he's playing particularly well and he just seems to have everything down to a tee. I know he's um, 
he's taking quite a long time to play his shots, which we'll come on to in a moment. Uh, but the amount of calculations that goes into each shot and then how well he's executing those shots is, is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and just going back onto the Masters, it used to be that you needed, what, five or ten years' experience playing Augusta. But look at Jordan Spieth, how early he came and figured it out. And I think is going to be just like Spieth. And Augusta will be a happy hunting ground for DeChambeau in the future. Indeed. And uh, DeChambeau's playing again this week. Where's yep. he playing this week? He's playing in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Indeed. So for the Saudi Arabia event, uh, he hasn't had as far to travel as some of the people in that field as well. Um, so whether he'll have another win this week... Who knows? He's going to no, have, he won, have a chance. He won back-to-back weeks in the playoffs, didn't he? Indeed. So he, well, he's got he's got the game. So um, you know he's going to be well, he's going to be pushing Justin Rose for world number one, maybe enough in a month or so. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, but as already mentioned, there's been a few rules incidents this week, uh, especially on the European tour, uh, which has really got people chatting. Um, How Tong Lee was penalised two straight. There's two strokes, sorry, um, and he lost around about €100,000 after his caddy was deemed to have lined him up on the 72nd hole, the 18th, on Sunday. Um, this has led to all kinds of comment from the likes of European Tour Chief Executive Keith Pelly, who called it a grossly unfair, to RNA Chief Executive Marty Slumbers, who called the ruling correct. Um, what, do we, what do we think, Elliot? Yeah, it's gone absolutely mad, hasn't it? It's been, it was by far the most read story on the website on Monday. Um, yeah, the Hao Tong Lee's peers are very angry with it. They're disgraced. They've all been tweeting about it. But at the end of the day, both Keith Pelly and Martin Slumbers have said that it is the correct ruling. And, sh- and should we just, should we just, should we just, you know, make it clear to the guys yeah. what the rule is? So this is. I'm sure you all know already. This is rule 10.2.b.4. And that says, Restrictions on caddy standing behind player. When a player begins taking a stance for the stroke and until the stroke is made, the player's caddy must not deliberately stand in a location on or close to an extension of the line or play behind the ball for any reason. If the player takes a stance in breach of this rule, he or she cannot avoid penalty by backing away. So... I think people who didn't maybe know that rule, obviously this is, this is a new rule, only came in at the start of this year, thought it was a little harsh because actually the caddy was moving away before the putter was at least behind the ball. Yeah, and he's not li- he's not lining up, is he? He's just having a read of the putt. Yeah, absolutely. But this is going to hopefully highlight it. And unfortunately, it always takes an example where someone actually falls foul of the rule for it to be highlighted that actually the caddy can be nowhere near the line behind the ball but uh, you know behind the ball in the hole when the player is getting uh, ready to to play the shot and i'm sure that mistake now won't happen again um it did seem very unfair and Imagine if Lee had been leading the tournament. I know. Uh, and suddenly he gets that two-stroke penalty. I think people would have been a bit upset by it, or uh, which people have been upset by it. But um, it is, as Keith Pelly said, that the ruling was correct. And uh, so, yeah, Keith Pelly said it 
the volume was correct, but there's no wiggle room. So actually, yeah, if, if if uh, if actually the rules officials think actually you know he's not really getting an advantage from that, it's just because the caddy was just stood there and was just about to move. Um, there's no way that they can't uh, penalise them. But it's the rules of golf. The rules of golf always have always got these little things which people don't always particularly like. They've tried to change things to try and make them a bit more fair. In this situation, maybe they made it worse. I don't know. Um, people didn't like having caddies lining up players, did they? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is another thing that makes golf look a little bit silly. And the new rules of golf were supposed to make it more simple mm. and faster, which in Dubai we didn't see this week. No, so, uh, and that's a good segue. Good segue. teething problems. There perhaps. is a teething. So another... Uh, is isn't actually official rule, is that right? About 40 seconds? I think it's recommended. But so I may well be players right. are supposed to have 40 seconds. See, we don't actually know. This is one of the problems, isn't it? Yeah. Um, players are only ha- supposed to, are supposed to have played their shot after 40 seconds. So 40 seconds, you've got 40 seconds to play your shot, get on with it. And DeChambeau, in particular, was taking a minute 15, a minute 20 yeah. to play the shot, which, again, people... And he wasn't penalised. And people were saying, look, he's taking a long time to do it. We know he's the scientist. He goes through all these mad things, the air density and the, uh, you know... Uh, sorry, I love that clip on the European Tour posted out where it's talking about air density, wind, percentages, run out, and in the end it's just a full 50 after yeah. all that deliberation. Indeed, indeed. But he, he, you know, it's obviously his process. Um, but it is, he's going to start coming under pressure to get that process done quicker. And... We actually, we've got a man over in Saudi Arabia uh, this week, Michael Weston, and he's uh, managed to be chatted to some of the players. And he chatted to Brooks Kupka about this situation, about how long players take uh, to play the shots. And Kupka had some very interesting comments to make, as you'll hear now. I just don't understand how it takes a minute and 20 seconds or a minute and 15 to hit a golf ball. It's not that hard. Um, it's always between two clubs. Um, you know, it was a miss short, it was a miss long, and... Uh, it really, it really, it really, it really drives me nuts, especially when it's a long hitter, because you know you've got two other guys or at least one guy sitting before you, so you can do all your calculations. Um, you should have your numbers. Um, you know, obviously, if you're the first guy, you, you know, it might take ten extra seconds, um, but it doesn't take that long to hit the ball, um, especially you know if it's not blowing thirty. Um, if it's blowing thirty, I understand. You know, yeah. taking a minute, taking some extra time, and with some gusts, you know, changing just slightly. I get that, but it's a calm day. I mean, there's no excuse. Guys are already so slow. It's um, it's kind of embarrassing. I just don't get why you enforce some things and don't enforce others. So, Elliot, some pretty interesting comments there from Kupka. Yeah, he wasn't holding back. He wasn't holding back there. Um, he, you know, he was maybe talking a little bit about DeChambeau, but not just about DeChambeau, about any player who takes uh, quite a long time to play the shots. What? What do you think? Do you think he's got a point? Yeah, definitely. I'm. I would say I'm quite a fast player, so I'm a bit like Kepka, where you just you walk up, you see a yardage, you kind of you know what club you're going to hit. But Deschambeau's different. I I love Deschambeau. I think he's almost. I say this with a pinch of salt. A bit of a genius. So that's just how he goes about his his way of golf. Is he going to change? Is he going to be playing faster? Perhaps. I mean, he's going to get a lot of pressure on him this week. Yeah. That, that, that's that's right, and whether that will affect his game as well, 
we'll have to wait and see, won't we? It definitely is true, though, that DeChambeau is a long hitter and perhaps he should get to his ball first and do all that whilst his playing partner is hitting. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's right. With anybody, whether it's DeChambeau who's talking about air density or it's just me or you, you know, I obviously outdrive you all the time. So I'm always having to, you know, wait for you to play first, and then I, you know, I've sorted out. Well, I'm normally in the trees left trying to find exactly a yeah. snap hook. Indeed, um, indeed. Going back to that, <laughs> I don't think DeChambeau should be vilified for this. It's not a massive issue if he does make some minor tweaks. Like he is world number five. He's one of the biggest names in golf. He's entertaining to watch. So, yeah, good on him. He's a brilliant player, but perhaps he just needs to sort out his method a little yeah. bit. And I do think it also um, was highlighted because of the penalty that was called on Lieb. Yeah. Um, everyone seemed to be talking about that, and they go, "Oh, look at that! He's been he's been give, given a two-stroke penalty." But what about this guy over here? So um, I think it was just a, a, a talking point, which really has blown up over the last few days. If you I haven't seen the incident or seen all the quotes, then do go to the Golf Monthly website where we've got loads of posts about it and also um, we've got a little bit of the video of Lee and whether, you know, have a look and let us know whether you think that he should have been penalised or not. Uh, moving on, um, world number one, Justin Rose, cemented his place at the top of the world rankings with a fantastic victory at Tory Bynes in the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, he won by two strokes from Adam Scott, who also was playing very well. Uh, nice to see that Scott's um, back in there at the top of his game. And the Rose won his 10th PGA Tour title, which surpassed Nick Faldo as Englishman with the most victories. It was also only his second tournament using his new Honma equipment. Now, we've actually got a short clip with Honma Golf Europe general manager Alejandro Sanchez talking about Honma equipment and the brand awareness that they're going to get in 2019. Yeah, we have great plans and we are very excited about them. Uh, we started this year during the season 2018 by increasing the brand awareness about, the, uh, about Honma in, in the UK market. Uh, right now, we have three sales uh, people on the floor uh, plus a fitter. And we just hired a fantastic head of marketing who is coming also from the UK and has a ton of connections and a ton of you know, knowledge about, about the market um, in, the, in the islands. And uh, we have big plans with you know, some interesting uh, players that we are signing and uh, a new product. So it's going to be really exciting. We are a brand to look at next year for sure. So some interesting points there from Alejandro. And we were chatting um, I think two weeks ago about Justin Rose and his equipment change and we were wondering what effect it was going to have on him well if anything it hasn't had effect at all because he's gone out and won and he's world number one he's he's actually drawn away gone away from Kupka and DJ who they, who were very close behind him and he, he seems to play superbly yeah, I think this cements the fact that the golf ball is the most important piece of equipment for professionals. I remember Roy McIlroy said it was key to him joining TaylorMade. Tiger Woods has said as well the golf ball is the most important. Um, so yeah, Ricky Fowler's just changed ball, hasn't he? He hasn't changed equipment, but perhaps it'll take Fowler a few months to get used to that TaylorMade. So yeah, so, so, so just to confirm, so Rose had changed a lot of his clubs, but he kept the TaylorMade ball that he, yeah. he was playing and he, he controlled it very well whereas Ricky Fowler has moved to the TaylorMade ball and there are actually a lot of people saying that actually he was struggling with a few things obviously he's got to get used to it um, but Rose was, was imperious wasn't he he played yeah, so in, well in the same way that DeChambeau dominated in Dubai I feel like Rose dominated in Torrey Pines 
obviously Rose didn't win by the same margin, but I think he won with ease. He always looked controlled. He's he is just class and yeah, he's really fulfilling his potential. One thing I was going to know is I did not like his shirt that he wore on the Sunday. It was a little bit orange and blobby. I think he's looking Slightly cooler than last year. Really? Yeah, I okay. said that in the office last week. Okay, well, I'll take that. I'm not saying I'm going to start buying Bonobos apparel, but well, you know, some people might. Yeah. If definitely. you think if you think it's cool, then other people will. I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe I'm. I'm not sure if I'm the, the trendsetter in the office, but no, I've seen that polo <laughs> about a hundred times. And he's gone past Nick Fowler. So Rose has gone past Nick Fowler now with ten PJ Tour wins. Um, how, where does he rank now as? in Britain's best ever golfers. So he's had one major win, US Open. He's won the Olympic gold medal. And our 10 PJ Tour wins, he's obviously also had countless European Tour wins. Yeah, he's won the European uh, Order of Merit. He's won the FedEx Cup. He's won the Ryder Cup a few times. He, well, I'm not a historian, but in terms of this century, he's definitely the best. Definitely better, so better than Rory. Is Rory British? Yes, he is. He's from oh, we're talking about British, or I thought yeah, yeah. we were talking about English. English, I don't think there's any doubt about that, is there? Well, uh, Westwood also got to number one. And Westwood without... Uh, Westwood, 23 European... Yeah, I mean, Westwood had an incredible career, but of course no major. Got to world number one. Luke Donald, similar. Incredible yeah. career, but no major. And I think we need you need the major, don't you, to be thought about. I think if Rose adds a Masters or a Claret Jug then he's really going to start being talked about as one of the, the greatest ever. Yeah, so who are the greatest in the last 100 years? So Tony Jacklin, mm-hmm. Nick Faldo, yep. what other English golfers? Uh, Put you on the spot. I absolutely, have. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't, well, Faldo was so far ahead of everybody else. Other great Brits, of course, we've got to talk about Monty. Yeah. I mean, he's he was incredible. But again, no major. and the Three-time ma- senior tour major winner. Well, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so no major. Um, but, so... He's he's right up there, but I think you know, he won the U.S. Open, which is always uh, it's, it's it's kind of rated as the third best major, I think, over here at least. Um, he has got a really good record at Masters, and in the same way that we've been speaking about Deschambeau's chances at the Masters, Rose, of course, also has that. Um, just missed out when Sergio won a few years ago. Do you think he's going to win the Masters? Well done, but not done particularly well at Augusta. Every year we say this is Rose's year to win the Masters, and why not? I mean, he came so close in 15. Mm -hmm. He shot 14 under par, finished four behind Jordan Spieth. That 14 under total would have won 10 of the Masters this century. Um, I thought you said you weren't a historian. That's a good stat, if that's right. I might go and check it. I wrote an article yesterday. Ah, Um, So, yeah. Schwartzel was 14 under. But then apart from that, only four people have bettered that. Spieth, Spieth's total of minus 18 was the same as Woods in 97. Mm-hmm. So you can't really blame Rose there. And then obviously he came very close in 17, where you kind of felt that Sergio... It's just Sergio's year, wasn't yeah. it? Sergio had, if Sergio didn't win that, he was never going to win a major. And... I think we're all happy that Sergio won. How they both part the 13th that day, I will never know. Well, true. But, you know, it, it just things happened, didn't they? Sergio's gone, it was brilliant. It's one of those um, masters which I love to go and actually watch the highlights of um, yeah. because there's so much happened in it. It was it's so exciting. 
Uh, and on the subject of Rose and his career and all that, here we have some audio of him talking about how he feels that he's finally about to reach his potential. How does that affect most folks? You strike me as someone who's yeah. it's about the trophy. No, it is. It's, it's a byproduct. Totally is. You know, uh, FedEx Cup's wonderful, but it's about the achievement of winning something season long. Yeah. Checkers, I mean, that's obviously a big check, but honestly, I look at the FedEx Cup trophy in my trophy room and it makes me, that's what it's about for yeah. me. And, um, you know, I want to chase history. I want to, you know, my legacy in the game. I've got a great, you know, I've had a great career, but I'm, I'm on the verge of making it a special career. So I think that's what interests me now, for yeah. sure. And um, I feel like I'm beginning to finally fulfill my potential that I've always, people have always told me I've had. And, yeah. But you know what, you know, you've got, people telling you is one thing, but you've got to learn to believe it yourself. And you know, I've probably been a little bit slower on the, believing in myself part of the of the game but you know I'm, I'm starting to do that and I think when I, when I do do that when I get all aspects of my game right you know I, I will be hard to beat you know I've, I've had glaring gaps in my game as well putting hasn't really been that great for me yeah. in the last seven or eight years but I'm beginning to putt really really well yeah. if I combine that with my long game you know that's what's been the big difference the last few years so yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm dedicated to Improving my weaknesses, always looking at them. Where can I get better? Marginal gains. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, where are those mar marginal gains? You're not about to look at air density and stuff like that. No, like no, yeah, no. <laughs> it's a real fine line between driving yourself mad and and, yeah. and improving. You know, obviously you got to take care of your strengths too. That's what that's what keeps you. That's what keeps creating good scoring opportunities. I would say I could make more mid-range putts, 20, 25 feet. Those are the putts that really sharpen up the scorecard um, last year my big improvement was 3 to 8 feet so I've got to keep that going but then if I could tack on making some more mid-range parts that would be huge um, I would say I'm not sure statistically this really adds up but I would say having more confidence in my wedge game there's such a knock-on effect to that sometimes I take too many risks when I'm out of position because I feel like I need to get it to the green or around the green rather than laying up to a number and feeling like I can make birdie or par that way and I think um, you know I made a couple of doubles. Well, I made one double last week in, at Tory with that mentality. So I think there's still so many bits I can improve on. Um, my iron play, I think, can get better. Uh, this was one of the reasons why I was happy to switch to Homer as well. I thought my iron play could improve. And, yeah. So there we go. So Rose, obviously buoyant. He's obviously in a great place. Um, he's won an awful lot of money the last couple of months. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and was also, uh, you know, signed a new lucrative um, equipment contract. We believe so. Um, you know, he's in a great place, and Rose is teeing it up this week. Another good segue um, in Saudi Arabia, a new event, obviously on the European tour, which there's been a lot of chat about. Some positive, some very negative. Um, but we're going to concentrate on the golf and about who's actually playing there and the world number one, two, three and five all playing in the form of Rose Kupka, Dustin Johnson and DeChambeau. Um, there's also other uh, other you know big names, Reed, Stenson, Garcia, Poulter. Uh, and they're playing at the Royal Greens Golf and Country Club, which we know very little about, except that we think it's just going to be pretty much desert golf. Yeah. Usually suits the longer drivers and the people who putt well on those kind of grainy greens. Um, yeah, like you said earlier, I think DeChambeau will be favourite coming straight from Dubai with the Desert Golf. I don't think he'll be looking to have a week off. I think he'll be looking to win another title. 
Yeah, and we've got some more audio now talking uh, to both Justin Rose and Brooks Cook again about this week and what they're expecting uh, from the tournament. Yeah, obviously I had absolutely no idea what to expect you know, with this event here in Saudi, to the inaugural event. Um, I was really excited to see the, the field that they assembled. So you know, when it came to making my decision to play um, and support the European Tour in this new you know, area of the world... Um, <sighs> few factors really one it helps me get my european tour up you know season up and running it helps me get my minimum number of events taken away or taken care of much quicker uh, anytime you can play against the best players in the world you know we've got the one two and three player in the world here right now and um yeah there's a lot of excitement i guess about growing the sport here in saudi arabia uh you know we've seen what's happened in other parts of the middle east i mean maybe there's no doubt that saudi could be 20 30 years behind where somewhere like dubai is in terms of they're building out golf, but um, I think there might be an interest here for that. So it's got to start somewhere. So it's, it's great to see, you know, the European Tour and all the European Tour players who have come down to support the tournament and uh, hopefully it can go from strength to strength. Yeah, no, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, you look at the field uh, we have here this week. I think it's um, what, four of the top five. Um, so that's very, very impressive. You don't see many golf tournaments um, that have that. Uh, star star power I guess um, at the top and you know there's the game's in a good spot right now there's so many guys that are competing so many guys that are um, you know winning consistently and winning big events and you know getting to be the number one player in the world because I mean everybody's pretty close there from Justin um, you know myself Dustin um, you know we're all pretty pretty close there so it's um, it's definitely a battle, and you know Bryson's playing so well right now too. So you, you know that uh, guys are gunning for you, um, and you know everyone's everyone's trying to knock off Justin at the top spot. But obviously he's making it very difficult. He's playing great golf. I mean it's fun to watch, but uh, you, know, you, you know you just got to step it up. No, I'll be excited. Uh, playing well, I played well last time in uh, Abu Dhabi. I liked where my game was at. I felt like I was. Was trending very nicely to win. Um, wasn't completely there. Um, struck it really nice. Just and hit a lot of good putts. The putts weren't falling. So um, I know I've had this feeling when I lost at Colonial uh, to Justin Rose, and a few weeks later uh, we popped off a W at the U.S. Open. So um, I know I'm very close. I'm knocking on the door. So I'm excited. So some interesting thoughts there from both Justin Rose and Brooks Koepka there. Are you excited about this week and what, what it's going to hold? I mean, it's pretty much the biggest field. Um, that we've had this year. Yeah, with all the controversy, uh, I'm quite sad to say that, yeah, it's actually going to be quite good, I think. Um, they've paid reported $9 million worth of appearance fees. They've got four of the world's top five players, massive ranking points. Yeah, I do actually think it's going to be quite it's good. It's going to be at a time, especially for for UK and Ireland, is it a time that we can actually watch the golf as well? Um, usually a nice... Um, mid-afternoon finish so uh, I think they'll actually have quite a few eyeballs on it um, waiting to see how the tournament goes and and who's really playing well against the other really big names uh, in the world so um, I'm really looking forward to it so who do I who am I tipping who am I tipping to do well we're doing um, such a good job on the tips this year we haven't had a winner so far we had a second place last week yeah if anybody read the betting tips last week it was done by yours truly and I picked Matt Wallace who finished second Indeed. I had him each way as well Joel who was on the podcast last week did pick Justin Rose the world number one okay great well, tip and he also picked Poulter to do well yeah um, in the um, in Europe as well so well done to Joel I'm sure he won't let us forget that 
Um, so who am I tipping this week? I don't know. Who am I? So uh, we've already mentioned both of these names, actually. So oh, yeah. So Sergio Garcia, he's playing. He's 15 to 1. He's had seven top tens in his last seven starts, which is incredible, it's actually. Incredible. And that's yeah. actually come a little bit under the radar, because I think there's a few other people who have been playing so well. People haven't actually noticed that. And it's all from around the Ryder Cup. So it started with the Portugal Masters the week before the Ryder Cup, where he finished top ten. Then, of course, the incredible Ryder Cup, where he played brilliantly, became the all-time European point scorer. And from then on, he's had a win and top tens all the way. He's also really good at desert golf. He's had success there. So Sergio is going to... What know, odds you got him at? 15 to 1. Nice. Five. Um, just to butt in there, I remember listening to Thomas Bjorn after selecting his wildcard picks. And people were saying, oh, Sergio's not playing great, blah, blah, blah. And Bjorn said, I hope that this will be the thing that kick-starts him and gets him back into great form. And that's exactly what's happened. Indeed, and... Another person, the other other pick I'm going to reveal on the podcast, is another guy who's got had a lot of success in desert golf and someone who perhaps wasn't in great form but now is in very decent form, and that's Lee Westwood. He's had some amazing wins in the desert over the time over over the years. He was seventh last week in Dubai and he won the Nedbank Golf Challenge what a couple of months ago. So he's again another player just seems to be playing really nicely, really solid. I heard an interview with him a couple of weeks ago where he just said he's getting to that age where he's not practising too much now, he's just doing just enough and he's going out there and really enjoying the tournaments. And it just sounds like he was just in a really good place uh, in, with his golf game. So Garcia and Westwood. Westwood, I've got about 30 to 1. So um, do check that out. For the other tips uh, for Saudi International, do Google golf betting tips and you'll find our, either our golf betting tips homepage or the article itself. So uh, do check it out. Uh, moving on to the PJ Tour, where we're going to do a very quick preview on the Phoenix Open. Another desert golf course. It's, it's kind of the yeah. time of year for it. It only seems to be hot in the desert. Last year, it was won by Gary Woodland, who beat Ches Reeve in a playoff. The two previous years before that, Hideki Matsuyama won. Uh, world number four, Justin Thomas, headlines the field, whilst Matsuyama, Fowler, and also Phil Mickelson are also playing. It's also, of course, famous for the particularly rowdy par 3 16th, where they build a big stadium around the, uh, the hole and everyone gets very drunk <laughs> yeah. and very shouty. Uh, I think it's the best attended event in world golf as well. It is. They always have hundreds of thousands yeah. over the... Uh, I think they have about 300,000 over the week or yeah. something like that. So very well supported. It's very different to some other events that you'll see. Uh, but if you haven't checked it out before, do watch it. And it's a, it's going to be a really good weekend and week of golf, isn't it? We've got to have the uh, Saudi International with all the big names playing early on, and then we're going to be able to watch the PJ Tour with all the fun and games in Phoenix. So I'm really looking forward to it. I must confess, I have fallen asleep on the 18th, well, 17th, 18th hole twice already this year watching the American Golf. So, so you just you just haven't you can't crack it. No, I'm looking forward to that Florida is that, swing coming up. Exactly. So we're not quite as far west are we? We've we've, been, we've done the California swing. We're a little bit closer to home now in Arizona. I think there's a couple of hours time difference over there. I think so. Oh, that'd be nice. I think I think that's right. So I don't think it's quite as later later finish. So Do we move into central time now. So I I think so. Know. I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to 
I'm not very good on my, my time, so I'm sure having been to Vegas a few times, it's not quite as late as California. I'll probably be wrong. Uh, but who am I picking this week for the for the Waste Management Phoenix Open? Well, Charles Howell III. I'm not going with Charles Howell. Bo Hostler. Not going with Bo Hostler no. either. Uh, first pick is Webb Simpson. He's uh, 22 to 1. He's had four top 10s and a top 15 in his last five starts. And he has a really good record at TPC Scottsdale, which is where the event's been played, where he's not had uh, worse than a 14th in his last five starts. And also he lost in a playoff a few years ago. So he's got a really good record there. He's also never that well fancy because he's not one of these big, big names. But he's obviously won a major himself. He's a Ryder Cup player and... Won the fifth major as well. Indeed. Last year. Indeed. So... Um, I really think Simpson's man to look out for. As I said, odds are 22 to 1, not bad at all. And then the next odds, uh, next pick is Matt Kuchar, who uh, is 25 to 1, and I was shocked to see him that long. Yeah, that is quite long. So he's won uh, twice in his last four starts. He's playing about as well as any other golfer uh, at the moment, um, and his odds just seem a bit long for me. He's had three top tens in his last 10 years as well at Scottsdale, including a fifth last year. So, Kucher for me, very solid around there, can go birdie mental, you know, he can shoot very low scores, which sometimes do happen at Scottsdale. So, um, those two are the, the, the picks I'm revealing. Again, if you want to see the other two picks, uh, do, again, Google golf betting tips. And I wonder if Kucher will let the media know how much he paid his caddy. What's happened with that this week? I think, they, I think he's hoping that... Um, the penalty incidents may have, <laughs> yeah. may have taken that away from uh, people's uh, eyeballs. But, um, yeah, we'll wait and see. I said I'm really looking forward to the golf this week. And um, we'll, yeah, tune in next week to see how well we did. Hopefully our tips have done better than they have for the rest of the year. <laughs> Moving on. As mentioned, we're going to chat a little bit about new gear again. So last week, for those who listened, uh, we'll know that I was over in Orlando and we were doing lots of gear reviews. The PJ Merchandise Show was on. There were lots of new releases. Some really interesting new equipment was uh, on show. And I was joined uh, by Neil Tappin, our digital editor, and Joel Tadman, our technical editor, um, talking about some of the, the things that we were looking forward to seeing and then had hit. And Neil did a video for our YouTube channel. And we've got the audio from that video now. And he's talking about some of the coolest gear that he saw at the PJ Merchandise Show in 2019. So we've had launches from Ping, so the Ping G410 range of woods and irons. We've also had Titleist launching their Pro V1. And if you are interested, obviously we have uh, those reviews on the Golf Monthly website, so do keep an eye out for those. But in this video, I wanted to highlight some of the things that I hadn't either been expecting or I hadn't seen for myself in the flesh, starting with a new finish uh, from Titleist on their SM7 range of wedges. So. This is a limited edition, uh, so it's not going to be on the shelves for a very long time, but this is a new finish for their SM7 wedge, and it's called Blue Slate. Now, actually, I, when it was in my hands, I thought that the name was possibly a tad misleading because I'd say it's, it's more of a kind of stealthy grey than it is blue, but it does have a kind of very deep hint of blue uh, through it, and it looks very, very cool indeed. It's a sort of a shinier finish than you have with the black uh, 
version of the SM7 wedge, but it looks really good, as you would expect it to. It's a Vokey wedge. Uh, do keep your eyes peeled for that in the UK. It should be coming out soon. The next one on my list to show you is a Lynx uh, Prowler VT driver. Now, this was top secret, so we knew that Lynx had something coming up. We didn't know what it was. They invited us to go and see it yesterday at the demonstration day uh, here in Orlando. And the idea here is that you can change the face of the driver. So you buy one driver head, and then you can buy a face that is specific to your game. Let's say you're somebody who, who fights a little bit of a slice from time to time. Well, you can buy a face for your driver that sits slightly closed, uh, and could be nine or 10 degrees, whatever you want, and you would screw that into the head. The idea being that every head sits perfectly square to the ground. So no matter whether you have it, whatever setup you go for, whether you have it closed or square, the, the head should sit perfectly flush, square to the ground. An interesting piece of innovation from Lynx. The next thing on my list to show you are two new putters, starting with Odyssey's Stroke Lab. Now, details of this have been out for a little bit, but I hadn't actually seen them for myself. And the story here is behind the shaft. So the shaft is a kind of mix of graphite and steel. It's significantly lighter than previous shafts by Odyssey. And they say that really helps with the sort of flow and the feel and the consistency of the stroke. It's quite striking. Uh, and I'm sure you'll see them out on tour. Another putter launched here for the first time, revealed to us for the first time, is Scotty Cameron's Phantom X. Now the idea here, this is designed from sort of, it's a multi-material construction. So you have a aluminium black part the body part is aluminium then you have uh, steel stainless steel outer edges really high uh, moment of inertia but also those classic sort of free-flowing lines that you would expect from scotty cameron and when you see them for yourself in the flesh they really are a beautiful uh, piece of craftsmanship obviously they won't come cheap but when you see them for yourself in the flesh you realize yeah that premium price tag well, it certainly is a premium product. Those yellow alignment lines, those little sight lines, really do pop out at your address. And they've been used out on tour. Justin Thomas used it in Hawaii, as did uh, Adam Scott. The next thing on my list is the uh, Under Armour Spieth 3 shoe. This is the first time we've seen this shoe, and it has been updated for 2019 uh, using the feedback that's come from Jordan Spieth. So it's a little bit more sort of trainer-like. It's also a little bit more lightweight and uh, Under Armour have redesigned their rotational resistance spikes that stops the foot from rotating during the swing. That's been redesigned for 2019, so really looking forward to testing those out for myself. And finally, two black finish irons that have been added to the range by Callaway and by Titleist. Firstly, the Callaway Apex has a black finish to it uh, as well. I thought that looked really, really cool. And then the other one was a Titleist AP2, also with a really sort of deep, sort of black, stealth-like finish. Uh, absolutely stunning. Obviously, Titleist have a lot of success with the black version of their SM7 wedge. It's an idea that they've been toying with for a while. They brought it in to the AP2 family, I think as a bit of a way of adding a bit of sparkle to the range just when all these cookie kind of product launches are happening. They certainly achieved that, uh, and I thought it looked really, really cool. So there you have it, Neil's top products that he he saw. If you would like to see some of those products, do um, go to the Golf Monthly YouTube channel and the videos there. And there's some really good images of some of the products that we that were on show and that Neil mentioned. There's one product he didn't mention. Elliot, would you like to know what it is? Yeah, definitely. I'd like to hear more about your week. I haven't spoke to you about it. I haven't. It was it was a fantastic week. Got to see all this new gear, which you know I I, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, the merchandise show itself is a bit bonkers. It's in this huge convention centre, massive place. You can't see one end from the other. It's packed full of 
full of people trying to flog your stuff. So you've got everything from the really big um, big name manufacturers who are, you know, Titleist and TaylorMade and all that lot. TaylorMade weren't there. Not TaylorMade, good point. Yeah. So not TaylorMade. Uh, but Calloy, yeah. who were showing off their new driver and new irons and all that. And uh, it, it was really, no, really interesting. But then right next to them, just 100 yards away, is, you know, there'd be one guy who's obviously tried to create some new product or they've got new golf buggies over here or lots uh, of cool head covers yeah lots of that stuff uh if you go on instagram you would have seen all those scotty cameron head covers yeah the um the foot joy 1857 range looked incredible yeah there were some brilliant brilliant products out there and i said not just from the big name manufacturers some other smaller ones as well but the one the product that i found out about which i had no idea about was this new under armor a base layer which is called Rush Technology, which I'm not sure if it's available in America or, or over in Europe at the moment, but it's they grind down I think 14 minerals, and that's in, interspersed with the with the uh, material, and it's supposed to then uh, open your bloodstream wider so that actually you can then get better recovery on the course whilst you're actually playing around with it. And apparently it's it's all scientifically proven and everything like that. So that was some very interesting technology which um, I hadn't seen before. So uh, that's one of the products that Neil didn't mention which I thought was was pretty cool, which I wouldn't have found about if I hadn't hadn't gone over. And you played golf on Friday, didn't you? I did. I did. Not too bad. Not too bad. I had uh, some new clubs in the bag, Cobra driver, and I was using an interesting... I was using the Cobra F9 irons in regular and also went one length because oh, nice. I didn't have a full set of just the uh, normal irons because we'd taken a lot of gear over there. And uh, played right, played right, drove really well. And if I drive the ball well, then that means at least you can finish the holes or close to. Yeah. There was an awful lot of water on the course that we played, um, which that was at the Mizuno Golf Day, and they looked after us very well. So thanks to them. But, Who uh, won? Not, we, uh, so we played, we played a team... We were a, a four, we were in a four ball and we were in a team right. and we missed out winning by one sh- one point which was a bit annoying, but Neil played very well. He got thirty six points, um, so well done to him. But anyway, moving on, other new gear that was yeah. uh, announced and uh, people have been chatting about some new Pro V One and Pro V One X balls, um, and Joel who was on the podcast last week. Um, he again has done a video and we've got a bit of audio again explaining what's new about these Pro V1 balls and why people should be uh, interested in them. Hello everybody, Joel here from Golf Monthly. Hope you're well and welcome along to Bishopsgate Academy here in Orlando, Florida where as you can see I've been testing the new Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X golf balls for 2019. Now every two years Titleist make changes and improvements to the design of these golf balls to give you better performance. A couple of years ago, it was more focused around aerodynamics and consistency, but this time around, the focus has really been on ball speed and distance without sacrificing short game feel or control. And the way they've done that is through some changes to the core and the casing layer and the cover, all combining to give you more ball speed. The core itself and both of these golf balls, the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X, has been reformulated. So Titleists often talk about uh, the ball layers acting like a cake, kind of mixed ingredients and different amounts to optimise performance. 
and they've reformulated this core to be more speed focused. So that should give you more ball speed. Another way you're going to get that is through this thicker casing layer. So you've got the core and then you have the layer outside the core on the Pro V1, which is a three-piece golf ball. The Pro V1X is a four-piece golf ball. So that layer underneath the cover has been made thicker. It's been made 14% thicker in the Pro V1, 11% thicker in the Pro V1X, and that is another source of more ball speed and distance. And the final way you're gonna get more distance is through the cover. So because that casing layer is thicker, the cover has been made 17% thinner, and that is also contributing to more distance. And tightly say this is all coming without sacrificing noticeable short game feel or control. So there you go. If you were, you know, I think that's some of that stuff really interesting about why, how they change the balls and what the uh, manufacturers do. I mean, at the end of the day, the golf ball doesn't look, rarely looks different, doesn't it? It's still round, it's still white, still got dimples on it, you know, all of that. But there's an awful lot of technology that goes into it and manufacturers are doing more and more to... Uh, to try and make you know help you get the best out of your game. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, we've got the full review on the website and the YouTube channel. Yeah, so and with, with plenty of other gear reviews as well. Lots and lots of new products out there. Some other new things which have been released. The tight TaylorMade Spider X putters they revealed today, which is Tuesday. Roy McElroy's been using those, so have, have a check out with that. And also do check out um, our YouTube channel and also the Golf Monthly website where. Uh, about to release our driver test for 2019 where we've taken what we think are the six best drivers and um, putting them through their paces. Neil Tappin's done that and he's he comes up with who what he thinks is the best driver. Right. But it's some, got some really good stats in there if you're wondering about you know which driver's going to be the best for you. Uh, they've been out on launch monitors, hitting it inside in it outside on the ranges and on the course and um it's some really good insight so do check out that uh that video so moving on we have again been asking on social media for your questions and we've had a good few in elliot what we had okay tom so we've got this on twitter from the real josh haas sorry Hi, josh. i said that wrong uh thoughts on buying used clubs Graphite shafts on irons, thoughts on iron cover? So that's three questions. There, there is. Well, you've, you've filled your boots there, Josh, haven't you? Thoughts on buying used clubs? End of the day, it's probably your budget. Yeah. If you can afford it, we would always recommend, obviously, getting custom fit and trying to get the best clubs specifically for your game. Any used clubs, you don't know, you might not know exactly what their setup is. So there is always that um, chance that you're going to buy a club which is just not right for you however as I said if budget is tight then you know use clubs at least means that you can get some golf clubs and you can get out there and play some golf uh, on the subject of buying clubs at Neil Webb at LL Neil Webb hello Twitter, Neil says how can I convince the wife to let me have some new irons do the washing up you know, be nice, buy flowers, Valentine's Day. Maybe, yeah, save up. You know, Don't buy it. Create, create a business plan, you know, something like that. Um, it was always tricky. You know, golf is not a cheap sport to get involved with. We've, we've chatted before about the price of drivers and irons going up, but as the technology gets better and better, and as the R&D gets more and more intense from, from manufacturers, it means that the price of clubs will go up. However... 
again, there are chances to, you don't have to buy the latest product. There are some very good products which are a couple of years old. Again, if you're going to go into a shop, tell them your budget, and I'm sure that they'll be able to um, to help and find you the best stuff. And those other questions from Mr. Hass there about graphite shafts and irons and iron head covers. I mean, iron head covers, does anyone actually still use them? Uh, Aaron, Aaron Rye does. Aaron Rye does. Yeah. Um, um, it is for you. If it's for you, use them. I don't think it's the most fashionable thing to do, but if it looks after your iron heads and you're interested in that, and you don't like the clink, clink, clink as you're walking down the fairway, then you go for it. No, no, don't say oh. that. Don't do it. I would not recommend that. Uh, that is. Elliot's a cool. Elliot's obviously a cooler golfer than I am. I was just. Being, I was sitting on the fence, maybe there. But uh, graphite shafts and irons. That's one that again goes back to custom fitting. So graphite shafts and irons. Usually, I think they're frowned upon pretty much, aren't they? Or they. Uh, they were thought about that actually. The ladies' golf clubs always have graphic graphite shafts, but. If you might find you go and have a custom fitting or something, and they might be right for you. If they are, then that's great. Yeah, um, some tour pros have used graphite shafts in recent years, like uh, Snedeker, Snedeker and Kuchar. <laughs> there you go. So if it's good enough for them, then it might be good enough yeah, for you. Yeah, you can get stiff, light, anything in your shaft. So. Indeed. So um, any other questions? Maybe this one from Bobby Crow. Bobby Crow, you're pointing at something on your phone. Has the Ryder Cup captaincy been reduced to an old pals act due to the selection process? How on earth has Miguel Angel Jimenez not been considered for Ryder Cup captain when he had so many boys club appointees over the last five or six attempts? I'm not sure what that means. Next captain after Harrington will be... Oh, so next captain after Westwood will be Westwood's caddy, the new one. Okay, Bobby. I think that he's talking. Isn't Westwood's caddy his girlfriend at the moment? <laughs> yeah, and it's his son as well. So he's. I think he's saying, is it just that you know we know who's going to be the Ryder Cup captaincy before um, actually it's announced? But well, I think him and is is a, is a is a little bit unlucky that he hasn't had it already. One of the issues was he, how good his English was. I think, and he got very angry at that. I wrote a story recently about. Europeans who missed their chance to become Ryder Cup captain, Indeed. if you want to read that. Um, there's been a few down the years. Sandy Lyle was never captain. Des Smith, yep. um, who Harrington made draft in for a bit of help. Uh, Paul Laurie as well obviously missed his chance, by the, we think. Yeah, but the, I think back in the day when it was the same person was doing it all over and over again, but now there's so many more people who are actually available to do it. And they want to be relevant still. They still want to be playing out on tour. They want to know the players. And it does get the point where some people are going to have to miss out. Um, and when you look at Harrington's appointment, I mean, Harrington is a three-time major winner. He's a big name. He's big in America. He's, it's a no-brainer to have him yeah. as the captain. Yeah. He'll do a great job, I no doubt. We've said this before. He's going to be very, very thorough in his planning. And then if you look next, apparently we think that Westwood will do the next one. Well, we've already mentioned Westwood's won you know, so many titles. He's been a world number one. Again, he's, he's big on both sides of the pond. And if Westwood's your captain, they, oh, he's got an incredible Ryder Cup record, hasn't he? So Yeah, you can't just say it's a, it's a boys' club. Jimenez is probably the most unlucky of them all, and Sandy Lyle. 
I hope Jimenez is, is still. Uh, yeah, I hope Jimenez is still involved in whether it's a vice captaincy role or something like that. I think he's a very good vice captain because I think he keeps things very chilled yeah, as he does, and I think he's a good person to have just around, around the, the, you know, the locker room. Whether he will ever have a chance to be captain, I doubt it now because I think his chance probably will have gone. When we look after Westwood, who's other people are going to be? It's going to be. Garcia, Stenson, Poulter. Exactly. There. I mean, the chart, you know, there's there's so many names to, yeah. you know, it's going to be tricky for him to to get involved with that, I would think. Um, but good question. Uh, here's Ant underscore D six on Twitter. Hello, Ant. Should slow play be further penalised on the professional tours, like Bryson DeChambeau taking ninety seconds over a shot at the weekend? So again, we've already spoken about this. I think it does need to be pe- it, much like how Tongli. Now he's been penalised. The caddies will not be allowed anywhere near behind being behind the, the, the players no. as they line up the shot. They will be told, without doubt, get out of there, you know, unless I ask you specifically to come and look at the line of the putt. Don't go anywhere near it because there's a chance we're going to get a two-shot penalty. Again, as soon as someone gets properly penalised, we've said this for so many years, for taking too long, suddenly the pace of play will increase. And unfortunately, the only person who I can ever remember really getting penalised was the amateur at Augusta. Yeah, Duan Tong Lung. Exactly. And it was ridiculous that that 15-year-old... Yeah. 14 at the 14 time. 14-year-old at the time got penalised for slow play when there's players who are much bigger names doing it, but because they're big names, they won't get penalised. So Yeah, I, you hear a lot about players getting put on the clock, don't you? But then you never hear about them getting penalised... Um, I don't know if Deshambo was put on the clock. No, no maybe no. he was. Maybe he wasn't. I don't think he was. But no. um, yeah, it's it's up for the, the the referees and the tournament officials. You know, if they're going to really crack down on it, then let's see it. Let's see it because we want to see the golf being played at a good pace. We don't want. I think Deshambo's two ball took four and a half hours. Was it on Sunday to finish? Which is just too long, isn't it? Yeah, but if he was tied for the lead and he got a two shot penalty. And ended up not winning that tournament because he took... He was seven shots clear. Yeah, he was. But if it was tight and he got penalised for playing a little bit slow, I think that would have been tragic. It would have been tragic, it but it wouldn't, and then, then it wouldn't happen again. And it's either we're going to have these rules or not. We're going to... If, you know, if we're not going to ha- bother actually uh, putting them forward and making sure that they actually acted on, then what's the point of having them in the first place? Well, one thing's certain, he won't be playing in the Shot Clock Masters this year, will he? I would think not. Yeah. Uh, on that subject... Go on. Oh, the Shot Clock Masters? No, on DeChambeau playing more in Europe. He is thinking about getting his European Tour card this year, which, after Rory McIlroy's comments about calling the European Tour a stepping stone, I think it's great news for the Tour. It's, yeah, will we see him at Wentworth? I think we might. He's already played two European Tour events this year with Saudi, so he's only going to need two more to get his card outside of the majors and WGCs. And I think that's something, you know, the European Tour... Although it's had some negative chat about it being a stepping stone, maybe from Rory. Maybe Rory's just being you know, telling the truth. Um, again, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this next week in the podcast, where we've actually spoke uh, Michael Weston out in Saudi Arabia, we've already mentioned. He spoke to Kupka about the stepping stones of being coming from the Challenge Tour, now being on the European Tour, and how how actually that's helped him as you know become a world number one. So perhaps we'll look closer to that next week. Yeah. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Yeah, well. Anyway, moving f- quickly on to the quiz. 
which I'm sure everyone's very excited about. Yeah, Again, remember I'm two one up. Oh, you are two one up. Last week, Joel beat Neil uh, by one in a very close quiz, wasn't it? They were moaning about the quest questions, but they only, I think they only got two wrong. So we had 10 questions. Sam, again, has done a very good quiz, I'm sure, although I haven't looked at the questions. So do play along at home. We'll go through all the questions and then we'll give you answers afterwards. I'm not sure if my brain is completely in the right place for a quiz, but we'll try it. So question one. How many Americans are currently in the world's top 10? Oh, good one. Just have a little count on my fingers. <coughs> cough, cough. Um, okay. I'm not sure, so I've guessed. Okay, come on, Elliot. Stop counting. Question two. Justin Rose won the Farmers Insurance Open last weekend. How many PGA Tour wins has he had? I know that one. Yeah, we mentioned already. Question three. Joe LaCarva is currently tied with caddy, but can you name one other player he has carried the bag for? Oh, you've written someone down straight away. Yeah, oh, that's an easy question. Oh, dear. He was with this guy for two decades, I think. Mm, yeah, that doesn't help. Okay, question four. How many strokes did Bryson DeChambeau win the Omega Dubai Desert Classic by? Don't look at your notes. Which again, we've just mentioned that. I've changed my answer to question one there. Oh, have you? Yeah, I've gone back myself. Uh, question five. In what position did Houtong Lee finish after getting penalised two strokes for his caddy supposedly lining up for putt? Do you know that? I, th I don't. I'm not sure. I, it's one of three numbers. I'm pretty sure I've got that. Um, six. Jim Bones McKay returned to the PDA Tour to caddy during the Farmers Insurance Open, but who did he caddy for? I saw this. I cannot remember what <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I think I've got six out of six so oh, far. No. Well, I think you've changed your first answer to the correct answer. That's good. Right, Stop looking. Like, that's that is. You've just admitted to no. cheating. You just you just I've looked. My you've down. just looked at my answer. Yeah, after I've written mine down. Outrageous. Uh, number seven. Which American did Gary Woodland beat in a playoff in last year's Waste Management Phoenix Open? I looked this up earlier. You also said it in the notes. No, don't do that. That's cheating. <laughs> what is, just keep just talk amongst yourselves. It was. I, I actually would have written that. Strangely, <laughs> you just talked. No, 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 no. On the podcast quiz. <laughs> no, that's, that's you know, a disgrace. Do you know what's funny is that I, I wrote that answer for the previous answer, so I'm now going to have to change that. No, no, I'm not having that. No, uh, number fine. eight. The Saudi International takes place this week. What is the name of the course it's being played on? Don't look at your notes for that one. <coughs> I'm not looking at my notes at all. I'm not looking. Because I think I've got it written in front, right in front of me. Haven't I? It's green something, isn't it? Uh, That's a question nine. Oh, Lynx has released a new driver, which you can buy several different faces for and then screw them in, find, in to find your ideal setup. That was, uh, Neil mentioned that in yeah. his audio. What's it called? Can you remember? Yes, I can. And also, it had just to just to say, it hasn't been released. No, it's just they've announced that they're doing it. It's not actually uh, ready for sale Coming yet. To retail soon. Is yeah, it? yeah. And question ten: Conor Montgomery starred in a spoof video put together by the European Tour. What was the name of the idea? I know this. <laughs> I think I've got ten out of ten. Oh, Sam no. said there's one question that is impossible. I'm I not know. sure which one that was. Um, right, let's go through the answers. Hang on, hang on, I'll do that. All right. Elliot, relax, relax. Oh, you're not cheating. I'm not cheating. 
Not cheating at all. Right. Okay, well, oh. I've got the first question wrong. So, oh, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so, so, so you got 10 out of 10. So, question one was, how many Americans are there in the world? Top 10. It's five. Bruce Kupka, DJ, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, and Xander Shufley. I put six. Yeah, I put six as well. I changed it from seven as well, so it was no good. Um, the question two was, how many PJ Tour titles has Justin Rose won? Is that 10? 10, yeah. Question three. Joe LeCarver's currently Tiger was caddy, but can you name one other oh, player? Carried for DJ, wasn't he? Fred Couples and DJ, oh, get in there. I've had Fred Couples. I, that was a very, very late uh, answer there. He I was just... not with DJ for very long at all, so that's a great guess. Question four. How many strokes did DeChambeau win the Dubai Desert Classic? Seven. Seven. I've got three here, and I'm happy with that. I'll take three. Question five. Oh, I knew I got this oh. Tied in 12. what position did Houghton Lee finish after being penalised two strokes? It's tied 12. Did you have that? Yeah. I put 13. That's particularly annoying. Question six. Oh, well, I've just seen I've got every answer correct. Oh, All right. Thank you. Sorry. Come on. <laughs> Give away. <laughs> Give away. There's no... Uh, yeah. Uh, who did Jim Bones Mackay caddy for last week? It was Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker. I put Bud Corley. Because I couldn't think of any, any golfers. Question seven. Uh, which this is re- the one you cheated on. Well, I, well I'm, I'm not going to say I cheated on it, because I actually knew it. Which Americans <laughs> did Gary Woodham beat in the playoff last year's Waste Management Phoenix Open? It's Ches Reevy. Yeah. I've got one right. Uh, question eight. Saudi International takes place next week. What's the name of the course? Royal Greens. I'm not giving you Greens. Well, I've just said it without looking at it. Royal the Greens Golf Club. Yes, it's Royal Greens. I'll give myself a tip. <laughs> I've just said it. I said it without looking at the answers. But you've written down greens. Yes, I forgot to put the royal bit. I, I changed it to royals as I mentioned it. Oh, you got the next one wrong as well. Um, uh, what's the Lynx driver called? It is the Prowler VT. No, it's not it's Prowler. I was there when they announced it. Prowler VT? It, well, you said V2 there and it says I VT. Said VT. Prowler, I'm t- if we said, Prowler's a, a, t- a point for Prowler. Half a point. Point. And question 10, Colin McGoy's son and spoof video put together by European Tourism, what was the name of the idea? It was Monty's Monty Python. Nine what? out of ten for me. I got seven and I'm happy with that seven. Three one. Three one to you. Congratulations, Elliot. Well played. Hope you did well at home there. Didn't have as many arguments as we just had. Uh, some of those were quite tricky. Time. Some of them were quite tricky there. But thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week to look back on uh, what happened in Saudi Arabia and see if um, how many people got chucked out of the Phoenix Open for being too drunk at the 16th oh, hole. this is just remind me. Do you remember last year? Someone was rolling around in one of the bunkers. Yes. That was a massive story raucous. on the website. Absolutely raucous. And he, he um, had to appear in court. Indeed. It's, it's not something that you're going to be very proud of, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but we'll be looking back to see if that happens again. Yeah. Uh, and we'll also be previewing the Pebble Beach Prime. We will definitely be previewing the Pebble Beach Prime this week. Not, like I said, last week. Yeah. We've got some bad notes tonight. Yeah. Uh, and we'll also be looking at the Vic Open in Australia, which features the European Tour men and the LPGA Tour women, and they're fighting for equal prize money. So that will be a good thing to yeah. Uh, there to is talk about. a bit of controversy regarding that. If you read the website last week, so that was originally the Ladies European Tour, mm-hmm. who have had that event for a few years now. Georgia Hall won it a couple of years back. Um, they were replaced with the LPGA, and only five of the world's top fifty are going to actually play. Whilst yeah. all the LET players are desperate to play. Yeah. So. 
we'll be chatting about that. Something to look forward to. We'll also hopefully be getting some other audio from some of the biggest names in golf like we had this week and looking at some of the new gear releases as well. And of course, the quiz will return and I'll see if I can actually beat Elliot next week. Um, as ever, do f- um, subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, uh, so you'll never miss us um, from week to week. And also do follow us on social media. That's Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, at Golf Monthly on Twitter, at Golf Monthly on Instagram, and the Golf Monthly YouTube channel, as well, of course, golf-monthly.co.uk, our website. Thanks again for this week, Elliot. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Tom. I think you might just have to let me win one quiz one week, just... Otherwise, I'll beat you up or something. Um, also, you insulted my hair this morning. You said oh, I'm so glad you reminded me. One thing I've definitely beaten you at is, is hairstyle. Your hair this today, I don't know. It just looks like you've just given up. <laughs> that is so rich coming from you. Indeed. Anyway, there's going to be much more of this banter next week. Please do join us then. Uh, and until then, see you later. Uh, uh, uh.